is where we're at, and uh, busy morning, a busy day. Um, after the morning is over, I'll be leaving for Chicago for the meeting. I'll remind you, you can get on uh, shorewoodbiblechurch.org, watch it live, or their YouTube page, watch it live, and uh, catch. There's a, on top of the offering box is a brochure if you're interested in what's going on. But uh, the best preacher will be Wednesday night at seven. That's me. <laughs> the rest of them you don't have to worry about. Yeah, Same, yeah, but it's seven o'clock central, so five o'clock here, roughly. Yeah. So, all right, Romans twelve, if you will, and uh, we're down in verse six, seven, and eight, and. Uh, we just kind of introduced verse 6 last night, last time, so we will, uh, let's just pick up there and read. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And again, Paul is talking here about our uh, pre presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, the reasonable service, the issue of being transformed, having you come out, the real you come out. H how do we do that? We renew our minds. We're talking about the will of God now, the will of God concerning our reasonable service. So he starts the second section here. The, the verses 1 and 2 are the foundational pens to the whole of 12 to 16. Really, it's the foundational pens to the whole of the, of the doctrine, of all of it. And that is, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the, the beseechment, the motivation here is the mercies of God. Not you doing something to gain, you've already gotten. The mercies of God gave it to you. The grace of God gave it to you. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That issue of the presentation of the real you. Holy, acceptable uh, unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable not, not in that it's logical and it makes sense that this is what I do because it's in my natural norm. Reasonable in that it is based upon doctrines learned, okay? What have I learned in the first 11 chapters? What have I been learning over the growth of my Christian life? What have I, so it's not reasonable in that the most natural, uh, the most natural thing for me to do is to be the janitor. It isn't that. Now, that may be a natural thing for you to do, and the work of the ministry need that, and you do it, that's fine. But you're not doing it because it's a natural. You're doing it from the issue of this is sound doctrine that I've learned. It's worked in me. Now it's going to come out. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That Again, the transformation happens because what have we done? We've renewed our mind. Sound doct doctrine learned. We get the doctrine in us. We learn it. And now we're going to take it and then apply it to the details of life that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Good in that it is according to the plan of God. Here it is. 
acceptable because it is according to the plan. This is what God would have me to do. I'm going to accept it by faith and go do it. And that perfect issue is the maturing of you. As you take the word of God, the sound doctrines learned, and you put them in you, then you renew your mind through that word working in you. Then you come over here and you're going to work it out, transformed, transfigured. It comes out of you. Well, what are we doing? Now we're going to talk about the will of God. And that's what really what Paul's after. The will of God according to our reasonable service. So he starts in verse 3, our ministry, uh, our reasonable service to the church, the body of Christ as a whole. And we've, done, we've went through that uh, there in verse 3, that warning of not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. That measure of faith, not a measure, but the measure. It's the sound doctrine. Here's the measure. Here's the standard. And you think about where we're at in Romans. Paul hasn't revealed all <laughs> more information that's coming. To this point, we've got the Romans doctrine. So where's every man? Right here. But verse 3 then, he gives us an idea of, of really kind of the focus, and that's how do we think. We're to think, we're not to think more highly of ourselves, we're to think how? Soberly. We're to have this mindset of how God would think down through this and, and, and think it through. How has God designed the body to work? Verse 4 and 5, those he. For the first time, we read about a body describing the church. We never read about a body before Paul. We read about the body when we get to Paul. And then he says, we got a body, but what about a body? Well, we got all these many members. None are superior. None are inferior. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to get over there in just a minute. So he says, so look, our, our interaction with each other is in a body thought. What are we? We're joined we're compacted the joints in the marrow all of it there's no space between us we're all there in one now union and unity are two different things i said last time you take two cats and you tie their tail together you have union but you don't have unity he's not talking about having unity actually in chapter 16 he's going to say hey if there's causing trouble you mark and avoid them there so he's not talking about you're cutting off a member, and you're no longer a member of the body. No, we all are, but there's some of us that are learning and some of us that aren't learning. Some of us are doing it, but we're still what? Part of the body. So we're talking about the corporate. Now, in verse 6, 7, and 8, now here is Paul. He's going to talk about the spiritual gifts. But he's doing here now, he's not telling us how, the mechanics of the gifts. He's not telling us how they work, how you got them, what the deal, he's not doing any of that. Rather, he's telling us, here's the attitude, if you've got a gift, here's the attitude you're to have with that gift. Again, verse 3, how should I be thinking? Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. See, how, 
How am I thinking about, here I am, I've got a spiritual gift given to me. How do I think about it? What's my attitude to be about it? And really, if you look at verse 16, Romans 12, 16, you, you see how he ends this section. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. You, you get his feet. He's talking about how you're thinking. How are you processing this? Because he starts the, the section 3 to 16 of don't think, think right, and then he ends it with that exhortation of make sure you're thinking right here. Why? Because what happens? <laughs> we don't think that way. We get this superiority act going, or we get an inferior act going. And Paul says don't do that when we're dealing with ministering with each other and then interacting with each other. Now, watch verse number 6. So Paul is focusing, he's going to emphasize here of the issue of godly thinking. How the spiritual gifts, how these gifts are to be ministered by. The thinking that we are to have. He doesn't tell you how you get it. He doesn't tell you why you're getting it. He doesn't say why it's men only and not women. He doesn't say any of that here. He just says, when you get a gift, guess what? Here's your attitude. Watch verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. See that according to? Whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to. See that according to? We, we, there's, a, there's a standard here. He's not talking about how much you know. He's not talking about how, how, how much, how, how, how you know you have the gift of the prophet, the prophecy, or who has it. Again, he's, he's talking about, hey, here's how you're to view the gifts. Here's how you're to think about it according to the proportion of faith. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a second because now you've got to measure and you've got to proportion. <laughs> And everybody flips a wig about it. By the way, when he says the measure of faith, he's not talking about this side gets 10% and this side gets 50%. He's not talking about that. He's talking about here's the measure, the measure of faith. Here's the sound doctrine received. Uh, I'm sorry, revealed. What are we to do? Learn it, put it in there, renew our minds, and go live with it. Now, but watch verse. So if you've got the gift of the prophet, you're to behave about it according to the proportion of faith. Verse 7, or ministry. So you've got the gift of ministry in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians and Ephesians 4. Three passages Paul deals with the spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and then Ephesians 4. In Romans 12, it's the attitude that you're to have, the thinking. Ephesians 4 is a here's what they're doing, why they're why they were given, and First Corinthians twelve is how is is all the mechanics, okay? Or ministry, what are we to ministry in First Corinthians twelve? That'll be helps. You'll read about the gift of helps. It's ministry. Let us what wait on the ministering. See that waiting. He again, he doesn't tell you how you got it. He says what's your attitude to be about it. Wait. That issue of to wait is the idea of a waiter or waitress in a restaurant. What are they doing for you? They're serving you. They're helping you. Okay? 
we, I went to breakfast with Tom Patterson, and we went to uh, Cracker Barrel. Place is packed. Like, what's going Why is this place packed on a Tuesday morning? Ain't nothing going. We walk in, half the restaurant's closed. Why? No wait staff. They're shorthanded. So they close half, you know. And then I'm talking to the manager, and he's like, really, it's, we have the wait, the wait, the lady at the desk tells us no wait staff. And she goes, really, we have the wait staff. It's the kitchen help that we can't overwhelm. Because we could sit you all, take all your orders, and you'll be two hours getting your food because it overwhelms the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, okay. To wait, what are we doing? We're, we're waiting. We're patiently. So if I have the gift of ministry, how I'm, I'm to patiently execute it. I'm to come along and I'm to have an, this attitude of helping, of service. By the way, I, I was a waiter. I've been a waiter. We have to endure you. We have to put up with you. So what am I at? What's an attitude of long-suffering, an attitude of patience, an attitude of, uh, uh, I had a guy one time, he ordered a steak, and he wanted it dead. I mean, dead, dead, dead. Well, 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 well done. I mean, just a piece of shoe leather when he, and you know what? I bring it to him, and guess what? It ain't done enough, so I take it back. You know what? The cook finally, he goes, I can't get it any deader. So I said, well, just stick it on there, count to 10, and I take it back. Oh, man, this is the greatest thing. You know, I'm like, what? that's an endurance, you know. Meanwhile, the, ta- the table, they're almost done eating, you know. So, the atti- again, the focus is the attitude that we're to have. Verse 7, or he that teacheth on teaching, wait on the teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Now watch, he that giveth. You see, there's a gift of giving. And that's the gift that always gets left out of the conversation because the issue of the giving. The gi- but notice how what he says, if you've got the gift of giving, let, it, let him do it. See that? Let him do it with what? Simplicity. There's a thought process here. Simplicity. No strings attached. Doing it willingly, cheerfully, generously, purposefully, liberally, but with what? No strings attached to it. Now, it's, a, it's easy to abuse this gift of giving because what happens? Well, I give, so therefore I can then partake in X, Y, Z, whatever. No, I'm simplicity. Then he says, he that ruleth with diligence. How's he going to rule? With diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So the gifts here, the design here is to teach the proper mental thinking mentality that we're to have in the exercise of the gifts. We're not to be, it's not the mechanics, it's not the, the ABCs, it's, hey, if you've got this gift, here's your attitude. Because what is your attitude? Verse 1 and 2. I'm presenting myself wholly acceptable. I'm transforming. I'm doing, I'm, I'm allowing the sound doctrine to work in me and be tr- lived out through me. I'm out here reasonably serving the other members of the body. So how do I do that? I'm going to do it cheerfully, with simplicity, with I'm diligence. I, I'm going to do it this way. Now notice back up in verse 6. 
notice he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. That issue there of, that, of according to the grace that is given to us. So now what grace is he talking about? Because in verse 3, he said, for I say, through the grace given unto me. That's not the same grace. Verse 3's grace is the grace of Paul's apostleship. Stopping him on the road to Damascus, conversion, the call, and so forth. But what is this grace? This grace is connected to the issues of the spiritual gifts. God in his grace gave specific gifts in the early days, early times of the church, the body of Christ, in order to help the church function. Okay, follow me? Now, those gifts cease. They stop with the completion of the canon of Scripture. It stops. But they slowly kind of go away. Paul can heal. He, a little later in Acts, he leaves a guy in Miletus sick. Why? He can't heal him anymore. Philippians, he has to leave Epaphroditus over there. Or uh, I think that's who it was. I just had his name slip through my mind. He had to leave him sick. And <laughs> he was nigh unto death. His name's going to bug me now. You know that, right? Yeah, Epaphroditus. I had it right. Okay. Why couldn't he heal the guy? Well, because that healing gift has diminished away. Why? Because the scripture is being fulfilled. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize. But wait a minute, Paul, you've been baptizing. Until when? Until Acts 19 there when he writes 1 Corinthians. And from Acts 19 on, Paul doesn't baptize anymore. Why? Because things are moving along here in the progressive revelation given to Paul and the writing of the canon of Scripture. According to the grace given to us. Hold on to here, look over to Ephesians 4. Might as well stick something in Ephesians 4, because we're going to come back to it. Ephesians 4. Notice verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of of the gift of Christ. See that? According to the what? By the way, the measure, not a measure, but of the gift of who? The gift of Christ. Romans 12, verse 3, we have a the measure of faith. We've got these standards that are coming into play. The sound doctrine revealed. He's given to... the he, he, He's given to... Well, Romans 12, verse 3, he says, Through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. That's the believing remnant. Not the believing remnant. The believers in the church, the body of Christ. So he's given to the believers, what? The same measure of faith. The great illustration that I, I heard years ago was in a soup kitchen, when, the men, when people come through, and they're dishing out the soup, they use a ladle. And the ladle makes sure that everybody gets the same portion of the soup. The measure is the ladle. 
Everybody's getting the same portion of the soup. Everybody's got the same portion of the sound doctrine revealed. They have to do what, though? Study it, believe it, learn it, activate it, and so on. So when he talks here about the measure of faith, the measure of the gift of Christ, it's not a various percentage being handed out. It's that objective standard whereby we have faith. We have that doctrine, that revealed sound doctrine given to us, and we're able to go and then to activate it and live it out in our lives. Okay? So when he talks here, we'll go back there to Ephesians 4. Since we're here, we'll get into this. He's talking about that issue of the measure of the gift of Christ. Christ is the measure. He's the one. If you look there in, in Ephesians 4, if you look down at verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, the measuring stick is what is who? The fullness, the full stature of Christ. It's the sound doctrine revealed. In Romans 1 through 11, because we're in 12, what's been revealed? He saved you. He gave you his identity, and he's doing something new today. It's not a, all this, you know, woo, spooky stuff. It's, I'm going to live in this now. I'm going to live in my justification how? By being who I am in Christ and not claiming to be something I'm not, someone I'm not. I'm going to stay right here. So the gifts, he's the gift. He's the fullness of Christ. 4.8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, we're studying this in the second hour, <laughs> And I'm not going to teach the second hour because then I'll have to teach this next then. But he gave what? Gifts. Where does he give gifts from? Far above heavenly place. He's up above it all. Now drop to verse 11 so we can stay on the, on the subject, okay? And he gave some, by the way, gave, past tense. They're not in operation today. But in the moment, they, they were needed, and we'll see that. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. By the way, he tells Timothy to go do the work of an evangelist. That means it's not a gift anymore. The pastor-teacher, if a man desires the office of, he desires. See, it's not a gift. Any, I'm not a gift. I'm sorry. Okay? Oh. I get one. I got one. Oh, wow. Okay. Linda's not in the room. So, see, so, what's that? Would not have helped. Yeah, I'd have got the eye roll and the hair flip, you know. But see, the thing is, is in the moment, they needed the gifts. Now, think about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What kind of gifts are those? They're administrative gifts. They're, they're doctrine, they're communicating doctrine. They're not helps. They're not healings. They're not tongues. 
These are gifts that are designed to help administer the church, the body of Christ. These gifts, the grace given according to what God's doing today with that corporate body, it's designed to be the fullness of Christ. It's designed to fill up the heavenly places, chapter 1. And he gave them, and he gives them, verse 12. Why does he give them? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. See, these are edification gifts. These are perfection gifts. These aren't gifts over here. By the way, this is not a gift of giving. It's not a gift of tongues. It's not a gift of miracles. It's not a gift of any. It's, these are designed in the local assembly to move forward the edification process of the saints. Mature. Look, notice that. For the perfecting of the saints. The maturity. Perfecting. Maturing them. Then he says, for the work of the ministry. Who's going to do the work of the ministry? Perfected saints do the work. Why would a perfected saint be who's going to do the work? Because what's happening in the perfected saints? Romans 12, 1 and 2 is happening. See? They're, grow, they're, they're getting it. They're being transformed. They're being renewed. They're constantly growing. They're constantly moving forward. They get to a place. They Go to the next. They don't go backwards. They still, they're forward moving. By the way, they're not laterally moving. <laughs> they're forward moving for the edifying of the body of Christ. So who's edifying the body? Perfected saints who do the work of the ministry. Verse 13, first word, till. That's a timing word. Till we all come into the unity of, of the faith. There's a timing word. Because the gifts are not designed to operate through the whole dispensation of grace. They're not op designed to work the entirety of the dispensation of grace. Their design is for one day for them to stop. When are we going to stop? When we come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Well, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 ought to be popping in your head. How's, the perf how's that man of God perfect? How's he, he's, how is he thoroughly furnished unto all good works? How's he get there? All scriptures given by inspiration. So when we come to the unity of the faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The unity of the faith, he's talking about the word of God, the revealed written word of of God, And when we come to the completed revelation, the fullness of, again, fullness, the dispensation of the fullness of time, fullness of, it gets to a completion. When the word of God, when scripture is complete, then the gifts are going to stop. So the, so the church, corporate, will come to maturity through the work of the Holy Spirit who's going to work through the Word of God. Before Paul finishes the canon of Scripture, the Holy Spirit's over here working through what? Through the gifts into, these, into the men in the local assembly. Okay? Am I, you, you with me? All right? Verse 14. That, he's going to illustrate this. 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay and wait to deceive. Don't be a child. Act like an adult. How do I be an adult? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I need those four components to be a what? An adult. We love the doctrine. We don't like reproof, correction, instruction. But if you don't have that, if you're not willing to receive that, you never grow up. You stay a child tossed to and fro. That's the, the deal. So the measure of an according to. Now, go back to chapter 12 of Romans in verse 6 there. He's talking about why, why he was given this for the edification, for the growth. But then he, but verse 6 says, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, think about that. What is a proportion? Is it the whole or is it a part of the whole? It's a part of the whole, isn't it? Okay. Verses 3, 4, and 5, we saw the whole body, didn't we? We saw the whole of it. And we saw that they had the, that there's many members. Verse 4, and all members have not the same office. So there's a proportion issue here. And what the proportion of faith is all about, and is a reference to, it's a reference to not the individual. Okay? That's what people say. I get that. But in here, he's not talking about the individual. Who's he talking about? The church, the body, a whole. God has determined, or God, I should, had determined how many apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, ministries, teachers giving these gifts was going to be in each local church. That's the proportion. Who decided that? God did. Not man, not individual, just like in the measure of, the measure of, there's not percentages. What God said was this group needs three apostles, two prophets, and a partridge in a pear tree. All right? And you know what? That's what happened. Okay? Here in Romans 12, he's not trying to tell you how he picked them. He just says he picks them that way. Not everyone has the gift. All the guys on this side, you get the gifts. The guys on this side, you don't have the gifts. Why? Because it was determined to have one, two, three, four, five, and not six, seven, and eight. It, he, he determined that. He determined how many of the gifts were to be involved per local church. That's why it's proportion, because it's a proportion of the whole. Okay? Catch that. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 12 and watch it happen that way. 
1 Corinthians 12. I literally wish we had hours to go through this with you in a more detailed manner, but I just catch what's happening. So if the gifts were operating today and our local assembly, it would be God that says, I'm going to have two apostles, one prophet, and subsequently out. I would never say that. I might not even be, have the gift of. I might have been left, who's, who's picking? Actually, the Godhead does, okay? So in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's going to expound on the proportion issue by giving us the mechanics and the details of how they come about and then how they're going to stop and then what replaces them in 12 to 14, okay? So we got 25 minutes to do all that quickly, okay? <laughs> 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Again, it's, when he says don't be an ignorant brethren, then you need you got to pay attention to what he's talking about because what is the condition in the church today concerning spiritual gifts? Everybody's got one. You better. Be, are you searching yours? What's your best gift? By the way, if it's a gift, if you're seeking it, it's not a gift. So what you doing? You know, okay? You're looking for what was going on at Corinth. I wish we had time to look in verse 2 and 3 and the speaking and the dumb idols there. Verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Okay? The, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. You see how we have God, the Godhead involved. All three members of the Godhead are involved. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to what? To profit with all. The goal behind the gifts is to be a profitable thing, not a negative thing. The Corinthians had made it into a negative thing. They had taken what the Godhead had laid out, and what'd they do? They messed it up. What's the goal? To profit with all. So the proportion of faith, all, all those with the gift, the design is for it to be profitable. Now drop down to verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the spirit takes the lead in the gift-giving arena. But all the Godhead's involved in it, but the spirit does. Why? Well, what is the spirit's product? Work product. What's he in charge of producing? The Word of God. 1 Peter 1.21. Holy men are moved as what? The Spirit moved them. So what's these gifts doing? They're producing the Word of... They are, sub, they are uh, promoting, confirming. Think about what a prophet does. What does a prophet do? Yea, hath God said... A prophet would look down there. He'd get a letter from Paul. By the way, Paul says he signs each letter. He gets a letter signed by Paul. 
and he says, you know what? The spirit working in me says that this is bulletin board material. Paul just sending a, a, a little newsletter out. He reaches over. He gets the book of 1 Corinthians. He reads it and says, this is scripture. It's time to copy it out, guys. We make copies for our folks. We put our original in our book, the Apostles' book, if you will, and then we're going to pass it down and get it on the, chain, the, the train. See, who does that? Not the guy speaking in tongues. Who does it? The prophet does. That's his job. That's why the Spirit is the one doing this is because what's he doing? He's literally confirming the Word of God. As Paul would write, have you ever wondered why he would say 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, when you heard me speak, you, you took it as the Word of God? You know? Well, why is that? Well, there's some in that crowd that were had the what? Had that prophet gift to say, you know what he just said is right. <laughs> and conf there's a confirmation of it. Okay? Verse 12. By the way, verse 11. A court divided to every man serve as he will. The num a number of the gifts. God makes the divisions within the local assembly. They're, they're going to differ because each local assembly is what? Different. See? The church at Ephesus that Paul develops there is a large church, so they would need a few more people involved. Okay, The little church there at Colossae and Laodicea maybe didn't need that many. Maybe just need one or two of each or one of each. Who decided that? The Godhead does. Verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Again, the focus is the body. Now, last time we went through 13 to 27 talking about the illustration and the description of the body. Quickly, go to verse 28, because we're talking about the gifts. And God hath set some in the church. Again, who's doing the setting? Not the preacher. <laughs> Sorry. Not the gift-giving committee. Who's doing it? God's doing it. Now watch. First apostle, watch him rank them. Secondarily prophets. Thirdly teachers. Now that's exactly what we read in Ephesians 4.11, isn't it? He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. And you see how the top three are what? Edification gifts, administrative gifts. Now watch what he does. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. You see how after that, he doesn't rank them. He just says, these are the top three. So down at the, when he, when he, talk, when he says there in verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts, what would be the best gifts? The first three. But where's Corinth? They're looking at the last one in the list. See how tongues are the last thing listed? <laughs> it's just a throwaway thing, if you will. But what did they do? They promoted it because what happens when you speak in tongues? Well, it's just like E.F. Hutton. When he enters a room, everybody listens. And that's what happened. So they were promoting. Actually, literally what they're doing is they're doing verse 2 and 3 of, about the dumb idols and the, you know that dumb idol and giving in tongues and so forth. 
that's why I really wish we had time to look at that because it's just, it's so linked. What I want you to see, though, is the listing. And then after that, verse 29, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But covet the earnest, earnestly covet the best gift. Well, that's numbers one, two, and three. But now watch. Yet show I unto you a what? More excellent way. Hey, Corinth, you're focused in on some stuff that's about to go away. I want to show you a more excellent way. Drop down to chapter 13, verse 8. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. What's going to happen? It's going to stop. The gifts were never intended to run the whole duration of the dispensation of grace. Verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. So the gifts are partial knowledge. Partial information. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Perfect what? Well, we know in part, so perfect, complete knowledge, right? We prophesy in part, so a complete revelation, because isn't that what the prophet says? Yea, hath God said. So the completions are here. The completeness is here. The completed word of God. So again, Paul is preparing the Corinthians for the passing away of the very gifts that were consuming them. See? They were consumed with this stuff. And he's like, you guys are missing the thing. Verse 11, he's going to illustrate it now. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Notice, speaking, understanding, thinking as a what? As a child. It's childish. But when I became a man, speaking, speak as a child. Tongues are for the children. The gifts are for the children. But when I became a man, what did I do? I grew up. I matured up. Now, some of us are still kids at heart, and that's okay. Okay? That's not what he's talking. But when I became a what? A man, what did I put away? I put away the childish things. I put away all that gift stuff. For now, notice, now we see through a glass how? Now, right when Paul's writing this, he doesn't have the completed revelation. So what are we, how do we see things? Not clearly. I picked up the binoculars the other day, and I was making sure they still worked. Put them up. I couldn't see anything. I saw darkly. You know why? I didn't take the caps off the other end. Took the caps off and scared myself because I looked in the mirror. I was like, whoa, okay. You know? what, that's, what happened? The, the gifts have everything shrouded. Why? Because the completion isn't there. The complete is here now, but then face to face, 
Now I, but then what? Face to face. Now that's not the rapture. There's no rapture anywhere in this chapter. Actually, not anywhere in the context of the whole of 1 Corinthians here yet. We get that in chapter 15. Face to face. Well, what did 4.13 say? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the fullness of the stature of Christ. There's the fullness. Now face to face. Now I can see everything how? Clearly. Darkly, I'm in part. Then I can see how? Perfectly. Now I know in part, and then shall I know even also as I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. See that now abideth? Verse 8, what's going to happen? They're going to cease. They're going to fail. They're going to vanish away. But what is going to abide in the dispensation of grace? The three hallmarks of spiritual maturity, faith, hope, and charity. The three hallmarks of, the three characteristics of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, moving, movement forward. Isn't going to be over here in the gifts. It's going to be over here now in the revealed, the written, completed, written word of God. The sound doctrine revealed is now available. Okay? Now chapter 14. Again, we can spend at least eight, nine hours looking at this. And when we get into 1 Corinthians after Romans in about five years, we'll, uh, we'll spend time through all of these and talk. Because this stuff is so critical because it's exactly what happens with a lot of people. They get sucked up into this because they're taught that they don't have the completed word of God. So then we have to have help and where the helps here they are now first corinthians 14 watch what he does here verse 1 follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that ye may prophesy what's gift number one being an apostle that is someone who acts in the authority of whoever sent him now this isn't the apostle paul as the apostle of the gentiles this is the leadership what later he calls the bishop, the elder, and the local assembly holds this office of apostle and the prophet. But notice how he's going to center in on the prophet here. For he that speaketh, and, and he's going to do it by focusing in on the speaking in tongues, because that's the problem at Corinth, is the speaking in tongues. They've elevated that gift above all other gifts. But watch what he says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. All three of those, edification, exhortation, and comfort, are now performed by the Scripture. 1 Timothy or 1 Thessalonians 4:18 Wherefore comfort one another with these words. You go over to 1 Timothy 1 and 2 Timothy 4 and you see the exhortation and you see the edification issues. So scripture has literally taken the place of the gift of the prophet. Why? Because it's done. It's completed. The perfect 
word is given so that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay? I'll keep reading. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Again, what's the gifts there to profit with all? These guys are doing what? Well, it's my turn. Here it comes. I can feel it. Abba-dabba-doo. And now we got them popping up all over the room, and everybody's going, what do you say? I don't know. What do you say? I don't know. But, man, it was good. Made my, I got the tingle down my spine. Woo. And Paul says, no, guys, stop. Stop. There's some, God is a God of order. If you go back there to ch in chapter 12. Oh, I just had it. Well, never mind. Go back on to 14. It's in 14, sorry. Chapter 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion. You got everybody popping, everybody's doing their thing, and what is it? It gets confusing, doesn't it? One says abadabadoo, one says bing bong boom, and the other one says, I don't know what he, you know. And you're like, by the way, it's an unknown tongue. Unknown in what manner? The people in the room, in the local assembly, don't know it. It's not an unknown language never heard before. It's a what? It's unknown to the language. In Acts 2, when Peter and the boys can speak in tongues, and they're speaking in they're preaching in Hebrew, and yet the audience is hearing them in their language. Okay? Well, their language is on, it could be unknown in the room. So the unknown, unknown tongue here isn't that they're speaking in, well, it isn't that they're speaking in Swahili, and you go, huh? It's that they're, they're and, and really, they're speaking in a Spanish Use that one. That one's a little okay. But nobody in the room speaks Spanish. But we do have someone in the room who speaks Spanish. So guess what it won't be? It won't be Spanish. It'll be Russian. Now, somebody in here probably speaks Russian. <laughs> It'll be something else. So the unknown tongue isn't something coming off the back end of the pages of nobody. It's unknown in the room. So what do we need? We need rules. We need order. God is not the God of, the author of confusion. So, verse 21 and following, he gives rules. There's six or eight of them here. And he's using tongue talking to set the rules because that's the gift being abused. But the rules apply across the board. Verse 21, in the law it is written. By the way, verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be what? Well, what did he just tell him in verse 13, or chapter 13? When I spake as a child and thought as a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away that stuff. We're putting away this stuff. We're moving over here into something else. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will, they not, uh, for, yet for all that will, they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign... By the way, that's why the church, one of the reasons the church is doing it is that provoking ministry and acts of they're out there doing Israel's program. Not to them that believe. So it's a sign, but to who? To the unbeliever. See that? 
but to them that believe not. So the sign, number one, the sign was for the benefit of the unbelieving nation of Israel. Because who's unbelieving at the time? Well, Gentiles are, but also who? Not the circumcision little flock, but the unbelieving apostate nation. Follow that? But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, the gifts are only to be done in a local church setting, come together, okay? So what do we have? Rule one, we got a sign, but it's for the unbeliever, okay? Two, it's when we all come together in a local assembly. So we're not over here having a Bible study at Keith and Debbie's and somebody breaks out in a tongue talking. Nope. Doesn't work that way. It's when what? Notice, if therefore the whole church come together. Okay? And all speak with tongues and have come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? <laughs> Ain't that the facts? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, and is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How, be it, how is it then, brethren? When ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Again, what's the goal? Edifying. Grow, okay? Verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, verse 26 and 27, or 27 and 28 have the rule. First of all, it's men doing it. How are they going to do it? By course, orderly. How many are going to do it? Two or three at the most. So that means Paul, Greg, and... Mr. Cooper, you guys get the gifts. You guys are boom. But wait a minute. Who's going to go first? Well, Gary's going to go first. Then Paul, then Bill. But wait a minute. Who's going to interpret? Well, the interpreter didn't show up today. Because that gift of interpretation's already been given. He's off playing hooky, doing something else. So now what? These three just be quiet. They have a prayer meeting with the Lord. But now we got Keith. He's the interpreter. He shows up. Quit playing hooky. He's here. Now what happens? Gary goes first, then Paul, then Bill. Keith gets up and says, what Gary said was, but God committed his love toward us, and now while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Confirmation. Paul gets up. And says, I therefore beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and uh, uh, unto God, which is your reasonable service. Keith gets up, says, Romans 12.1. Bill gets up and says, go do it. Let not your, evil be, let not your good be overcome with evil. The, Romans 12, the end of Romans 12. 
boom. But not your good. What would be your good? Getting saved, living the right. See, now what had happened to the room, to the group? We're edified. There's a confirmation. There's an order to it. If there's no interpreter, though, Keith didn't show up, we don't do it. So the, one, the part of this that gets everybody upset is it's the only men are to do it <laughs> because of verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as say, also saith the law. Now, speak in what manner? What's the context we're talking about? Tongues. The gift of tongues. It isn't saying that you can't come in and ask questions and have a conversation over here about, you know, whatever, the grandkid. Not that at all. He says, man, when it comes to this stuff, no, 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 no. It's men only, ladies. See how that works. Now, go back to Romans 12, because next time we're going to do verse 9. The, yeah, just remember, in Romans 12, where we're at, he's not giving you what he just, we just went through in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. He's not even telling you Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 13. He's just saying, here's how you ought to be thinking. Here's the proper mental attitude, the proper divine viewpoint you're to have when you are ministering to other members in the local assembly, in the church, the body of Christ, okay? Now, today, we don't have the gifts, okay? We don't, but we still have the function, the need of, don't we? We still need the need of evangelism to be done. We still need the need of a pastor teacher. We still need those needs of, of diversities, of getting things done. We still need the need of giving. It's just not now. God given in a supernatural manner, now it's the word working in you, then out into the activities within the local assembly. Therefore, what can happen? Now the women have a role in the local assembly that doesn't violate the authority given to the men to be the communicators of the doctrine. You follow that? Okay? But in Romans 12, what's your reasonable service to the other members of the church, the body of Christ? How do you be thinking about it? Now we're going to do verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. We're going to talk about love, loving one another, brotherly love. Not really, but that's what we're going to talk about. We'll do that next time, Lord willing, and the plane lands on Saturday evening. Okay? But the thing is, is this now in, in verses 9 to 16, he's going to give quick hits of how this is to look. He's not going to, there's no developments in this stuff. There's not a lot of detail. It's just a quick bam. This is how this is to look in our working together, ministering and living one another. Okay? I got it all in. And we're just a minute over. So, Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability to read it, to have it, to enjoy it, to value and esteem it, and to apply it to our hearts and then into our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll see you back here at 11.